You are listening to the briefing first broadcast on the 16th of January 2023 on Monocle 24. Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Briefing. We're coming to you live from the World Economic Forum in Davos. I am Marcus Hippi. Coming up on today's program, as this year's annual meeting kicks off, we speak with the head of presence Switzerland to hear why the WEF remains one of the country's soft power triumphs. Also ahead, we'll cross over to India House to hear why this nation has one of the biggest delegations here in Davos. So while you will hear voices which are talking of recession, which are seeing how we can move beyond that, India is that beam of light within that dark and grey, gloomy global outlook. Then we'll round up the biggest discussion topics here in Davos today. And finally, we'll head to Zurich Airport to spot plane spotters. I am currently standing at the busiest spot today for plane spotters, I was told. It's the best one, but also the hardest to get the shot. All that right here on this special edition of The Briefing with me, Markus Hippi. So, welcome to Davos. It is day one of the World Economic Forum's annual meeting here in the Swiss Alps. It's a huge event bringing together almost 3,000 leaders and experts from around the world for discussions and to try to improve the world. Our first guest is Alexander Edelman, Head of Presence Switzerland, which is responsible for promoting the country's brand internationally. Welcome to the programme. Hi, good afternoon. Alexander, could you tell us about your first impressions about this year's event? I would imagine it's quite different compared to last year's event, which took place in May. It does, indeed. Uh, this morning when I was driving to the, to the house of Switzerland, I noticed the snow, which is part, <laughs> partially different from May. So it's a first feeling, not only about the weather, but the ambience is very different. Uh, being back in January in Davos, in that white surrounding, which was slightly unexpected based on the weather <laughs> for Christmas, uh, it makes part of the experience of Davos is uh, the cold and the snow, because it makes everything a bit more smooth, and it gives a special ambience that supports the discussion. Do, do you think the location and the weather are contributing factors to the success of this annual event? It does. I'm not saying that with sunny Davos is not a good one. <laughs> Today was pretty sunny. But uh, being away is something different. All the leaders traveling to Davos, it takes time. So slowing down a little bit to open your mind. I don't want to be too dramatical, but the idea of taking the time. Traveling to Davos takes time. It makes people certainly more motivated and the one coming and the one who wants to attend. And on top of it, then being in Davos, which is, with all my respect, not London, New York, makes that you have nothing else to do but focusing on the topics. If you're in London, New York, people in the evening are going to travel away. We have so many meetings, so many opportunities here. It makes like a bubble, not a bubble cut from the world, but a bubble that allows you uh, to focus on the important discussions happening. It is indeed a very, very special event. Your job is to get Switzerland in the world map and, and, and make people aware of the country and make them know it's better. How big of a thing is this annual meeting by the World Economic Forum for the brand Switzerland? Oh, first, it's key. Uh, first of all, it has a massive exposure. 
exposure in the media worldwide, uh, which means it happens in Switzerland. So the, f the only fact that it happens in Switzerland says something about the country. We want everybody to be here. It's identified by the leaders from the world as a place where you can have proper discussion. I think the, the value of the brand Switzerland is also the, to do with it, and same for the, for the WEF itself. Being here is not like being in any other country. They trust Switzerland for bringing platforms that allow discussions with not always like-minded countries. It's important to have that guarantee that you can discuss. It's the same as in Geneva. You see all international organizations, the way the dialogue happens in Switzerland is different. And it's not about, it's not Swiss fo focused, but it's just, we have a way of again, trusting each other or willing to have as many people as possible at the table to address the re real challenges. So for us, it's, uh, it's a very, so it's, first of all, where else do you have 3,000 leaders meeting where, so first of all, it's happening in Switzerland, plus we have access to them, they can come to the house of Switzerland, so it's great for us. We mainly active abroad, but when something big happens in Switzerland, we're also interested. You mentioned the house of Switzerland already. Tell me about your your week ahead and, and what's your plan for this week is, and also what's happening at the house of Switzerland. I guess all of us are going to sleep on Friday evening, <laughs> which is already great. Uh, now, it's, it's a pretty busy week. The house is in there's two parts. We have first, so one hand, we have facilities for the minister and secretary of states for the meetings. Uh, so we have lounges where they can have bilateral meetings, where they can have... Um, I wouldn't say negotiation because not the case this year, but they can meet. Uh, we have, for instance, the handover between Switzerland and England for the Ukrainian recovery conference uh, happening at the house. So it's a very, let's say, B2B uh, part of the house or P2P, politics to politics, uh, happening there, which doesn't have to be public. Sometimes these with press conferences, but mainly it's facilities for the officials to meet. And the other part of the house, uh, it's really dedicated to panels uh, where we also address kind of like in the WEF actually we have different topics uh, we start in the morning with uh, two conferences one about quantum computing and how ready are we or not uh, to make it happening with private and public uh, speakers coming we have at the same time another one about uh, sustainability for boards where you have board members coming and discussing how must board members address the SDGs in a way uh, is it different or the same as companies? And then all week we have in the afternoon tomorrow a uh, special afternoon for Geneva that we organize with our mission to the UN. We have different topics from uh, plastic pollution to uh, harnessing power of data, um, sustainable finance. So we have a very broad scale of discussion. Be honest, what happens in the evenings when the official part of this event is over? <laughs> uh, I would say the official part is almost never over <laughs> because we have even late dinner with ministers. Uh, I mean, the day are too short, is too short in Davos. So it starts for real tomorrow morning, it starts at seven and it will end around 10 or 11. And the same on Wednesday. Tonight we have a press conference at uh, 8.30 mm -hmm. p.m. So it's, we don't have secret parties uh, in the evening. I'm sorry about that. I would love to brag about how cool the house is at night. It's very cool. But uh, it's also part of the charm of Davos is that we have a very high level of security. I'm not sure that my colleagues from the <laughs> armed force of police would love to have uh, secret parties within the House of Switzerland. And no liquids allowed when you go through that security to different venues. Indeed, but we have some liquid inside the house. <laughs> that's, that's very true. You talked about the significance for, for the brand Switzerland already. 
that comes with 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 the WEF. But if if you talk about economic aspects and you talk about what kind of a boost this event offers for Swiss economy and companies, how would you how would you explain that? So I think the WEF is not mainly about Swiss economy. It's a global event happening in Switzerland. The direct impact. Uh, how many people are traveling to Davos. So there's an industry around the WEF itself, but it's a very, I wouldn't say limited, but it's it's a defined circle. Uh, the main purpose of the WEF is not to support Swiss economy, but it happens that Swiss companies, the big ones, but not only, and also Swiss universities, it's so very important. We have a very strong delegation of uh, universities uh, attending here of uh, politicians for different levels. It supports on a long-term perspective to have a seat at the table it supports indirectly the prosperity of Switzerland. But it's not the main goal of the WEF, of course, but it happens. It's certainly not bad for the economy. Mm -hmm. uh, again, being at the table is a long-term perspective that we support with being here. Alexandra, considering that your job is to get Switzerland on the world map, how do you measure your success after this week is over? So I must say Switzerland is on the map without us. Our job is to <laughs> to increase the visibility in different fields because we're already on the map, but we are part of it. But Switzerland is strong enough <laughs> that we don't have to push it too far. Uh, success is, also, first of all, being here, being seen by part of the 3,000 leaders attending the WEF is already on a very marketing aspect, a target audience. It's great to access these people because they are part of the one we're targeting. Uh, how many people attend even at the house? This is something important. Uh, the quality of discussion and the level of satisfaction from the ministers based on the facilities we provide. This is part of the KPIs we have. And of course, the uh, media treatment of the event, we are measuring it, but it's less connected to the house. So we have monitoring of how many times Switzerland is present in the media during the WEF. So we measure the volume of uh, Switzerland and WEF-linked media. And on top of it, if media are talking about the events happening at the house, of course, it will be like a cherry on the cake. But we're not focusing so, only on media coverage in this case. We just take what it is. But first of all, it has to be content. Uh, it has to be relevant for the content. And discussion have to be good. Thank you, Alexander, and have a great week. That was Alexander Edelman, head of President of Switzerland, who organises the House of Switzerland here in Davos. Now let's cross over to London, where Monocle's Sophie Monan Coombs has the day's other news headlines. Thanks, Marcus. Russia and Belarus have begun joint air force drills, triggering fears in Kyiv that Moscow could use its ally to launch a new ground offensive in Ukraine. Meanwhile, rescuers in the southeastern Ukrainian city of Dnipro continue to search for 35 missing residents of the apartment block hit by a Russian missile attack late on Saturday night. 35 people have been confirmed dead and another 75 were injured in one of the deadliest strikes of the war against civilians. The UK government will announce new proposals to clamp down on protests today, broadening the range of situations in which police are able to act to prevent serious disruption. The bill was published last year and has drawn heavy criticism from civil rights groups. They say it is anti-democratic and gives police too much power. And Italy's Carabiniera police have arrested Matteo Messina De Nero, the country's most wanted mafia boss. Messina De Nero is alleged to be a boss of the Sicilian Cosa Nostra Mafia and has been on the run since 1993. Those are the day's headlines. Back to you in Davos, Marcus. 
Thank you very much, Sophie. Now, one of the big elements here at Davos is the Open Forum. It's a series of events open to the general public. A number of companies and nations have taken over entire buildings to organize events, to make business connections and to push their soft power. Let's cross over to Davos Promenade, the top location for these houses where Monocle's deputy head of radio, Tom Webb, is standing by. Hello, Tom. Hi. How cold <laughs> is it outside? Only asking as I'm joining you from a very warm corner in the press area. Yeah, I really don't want you to think I'm copping out, but after standing in the street all morning, my fingers are frozen. I have just zipped into one of these houses you've mentioned. I'm just slightly down the mountain from you, Marcus, on the main thoroughfare. Um, it's just gone about zero degrees. We're at minus 11 earlier. The sun is out. We're about 1,500 meters above sea level here. Uh, the house that I'm in is the house of India. Uh, beautiful, stunning chalet. It was actually home to the house of Russia year on year, now excluded. I'm nicely nestled in. Tell me more about what you've seen today, this morning. It has been a really, really busy morning. We were expecting record numbers of attendees and judging by the first few hours here, I can tell you it's going to be a very, very big forum. Um, it's quite like a festival, I would say. Um, Austin South by Southwest brings to mind all of these civic public buildings being moved in by organizations and, and countries to showcase their cultures and, and what they have to offer the world of, of business. I've seen lots of cars rocketing towards you in the, in the press area. I think I saw John Kerry speed by in, in, a, in a big black car. Um, and I've seen the open of Polish House, uh, their theme today and this week is the Bridge to Freedom, uh, much like last year, focus on the war in Ukraine. And speaking of which, Ukraine House is now open. It's back uh, again four years in a row. It's going to be the big one for attendees. It will be record-breaking this year. I did manage to have a walk along that promenade last night and I saw a number of countries. I saw, I saw South Africa, Greece, Poland, Malaysia and, and, and a lot of presence from India. Tell me more about those various houses, countries, companies and various organisations have launched. Yeah, you mentioned Africa House. That is going to be quite an exciting one uh, this year. I'll be going on Wednesday to uh, see Will I Am host a convening of entrepreneurs. So I'll throw some questions to him. Um, House of Switzerland, you've been hearing from there in an ice hockey stadium. Um, but it's not just countries, as you mentioned, Deloitte. Uh, they're here, they're set up. They've got four days worth of chats organized by four different topics. You've got sustainability, day one, then digital transformation, future of work. And as you've mentioned, I'm here in India House. They've just served lunch, which is why it is so busy. Very, very popular Indian food, of course. Um, I was here a little bit earlier. Uh, I met Deepak Bagler. He's the managing director and CEO of the house and Invest India. I began by asking him why India was here and their hopes for the forum. Invest India is the National Investment Promotion and Facilitation Agency of the Government of India. Four verticals, uh, investment promotion and facilitation being the first, and there what we are showcasing is the unprecedented transformation of India. It's actually a transformation which many call unprecedented in human history, both in terms of the scale and the pace at which it is happening. The second part of Invest India is Startup India. Startup India is probably one of the most remarkable stories today being looked at. And in fact, many business schools are looking at it as a case study. 
India launched Startup India in just 2016, so we're just 72 months from there. And in 72 months, India is number three in the world in number of unicorns, number two in the world in number of startups, and number one in the world with new startups adding every day. And the Invest India team is uh, working to deliver the Honorable Prime Minister, Prime Minister Modi's vision on making India the startup nation. The third is innovation. And innovation is again one of the biggest stories which is happening in India. From my small villages to the small towns and the big cities. And the most interesting thing is now it has been globally acknowledged that the kind of innovation and solutions they are coming up with are challenges which are being found solutions to for more than seven and a half billion of the world's population and not just the top 200 million. Put this all together is what is what we are showcasing in Davos. And if I may just add to that, Tom, India in the past 84 months, you know, the Honorable Prime Minister, Mr. Modi, took, uh, was elected uh, as the Prime Minister in 2014. And since then, every year for the past eight years, every year consecutively, India has set up a new record for FDI. In fact, I received FDI from a record 162 countries across 61 sectors. It's a global record. And in fact, even in the midst of the lockdown, I received my highest ever FDI in my history. So think about it. We are talking of the power of 1.4 billion human resources. We are talking of a fifth largest economy on the planet with over $3.5 trillion of GDP, which now is the fastest growing large economy on the planet. So while you will hear voices which are talking of recession, which are seeing how we can move beyond that, India is that beam of light within that dark and grey, gloomy global outlook. And from that perspective, I think India is holding forth that it is now picking up on the huge strength and resilience of its economy. And it is being led by political masters which have brought in the right set of policies and which are bringing in the right level of outcomes, which are now visible to the entire global set of people. So you are hosting some pretty big events here this week. Uh, there's a round table on semiconductors. It's a very hot issue at the minute. What is India's role in the supply chain of semiconductors? I think there's a lot of activity brewing on that one. I'm seeing a lot of global interest. And in fact, in the next few months, you will start hearing of some big announcements of semiconductor foundries being put up in India. And uh, in f you were talking about the events which are happening on in the India Investment India Lounge. We have over 21 roundtables and fire chats. And subjects range from not just the opportunity for investment in India, but some things which are very, very critical to our leadership, which is sustainability, which is inclusivity, and which is about a green revolution which is what we are moving towards ourselves, and obviously creating sustainable infrastructure. But most importantly, taking the advantages of growth, taking the benefits of growth right down to every citizen, not just in India, but across the world. So you actually have a, an event on this growth story. We've been discussing India's growing population. It will be one of the most populated countries on the planet, if not the most populated country. How are you going to accommodate the labour market? 
Let me give you a few numbers on that one. You would have seen a big board outside 75 years of Azadi. We are just 75 years old as we speak today. I will turn 100 years old on 15th August 2047. On that day, India will have 1.6 billion human resources, the highest on the planet. But let me tell you the more interesting part. With an average age of 30, it will be the youngest on the planet. 21% of the world's workforce will be from India. 20% of the world's middle class will be India. That will be the power of this juggernaut. That was Deepak Bagla, CEO of Invest India, speaking to Monaco's Tom Webb. Tom, where are you off to next once you leave House India? Well, it's very interesting. There are a lot of countries here with problems to solve. We were just hearing about the juggernaut of the labour market. But what he didn't say is that they do have a huge unemployment rate which is growing, particularly with youth unemployment, which is why we are seeing this entry into the semiconductor trade. Um, somewhere that I would love to find out more is the House of Malaysia. I will be knocking on their door a little bit later this afternoon. They're looking to make a big impact here. Um, they are facing quite a big problem with their tourism industry. They are not recovering as fast as their neighbors, Thailand, Indonesia. They've all been cashing in. Malaysia are struggling since scrapping their pandemic curbs. I'll be there to find out how they plan to do this. Monaco's Tom Webb there. Thank you very much. It's 13.21 here in Davos. You are with The Briefing. Let's continue now with a look at some of the biggest discussion themes at this year's World Economic Forum meeting in Davos. Monaco's Carlotta Rebello joins me now in the studio. Carlotta, it's, it's, not, it's not your first time here. You were here back in May, for example. What are your first impressions and how different does this event feel like this it time around? It feels like such a completely different event, Marcus. Uh, not only the number of people attending back in May, we still had some remnants of the pandemic and people not willing to travel and so many requirements when it comes to testings and vaccines. And now you can really feel the room buzzing back into full force. And the snow is just so lovely. I mean, in May it was nice to walk around and to be able to not have to carry all the jackets and coats. But there's something so magical about this drive that we had this morning uh, approaching the valley that is Davos and seeing the beautiful mountains surrounded by snow is just gorgeous. So the theme of this year's meeting is cooperation in a fragmented world. I'm wondering how do you see what it means for the discussions over here and what is happening in Davos this year? I think it's a, a way for Davos to acknowledge everything that's been happening over the past year. And of course, the big ele elephant in the room being um, the war that Russia has started uh, in Ukraine and the fragmentation that has ensued in terms of alliances, allegiances throughout the world. Now, there's a reason why in defense of Europe and in defense of European values is one of the main themes, is one of the sessions kicking off the day tomorrow um, you know, following last year's uh, summit, um, there's still a conversation about deglobalization, uh, staying ahead of the recession, the return to the office. So these conversations about bringing people together really are what is dominating the agenda throughout the day. I mean, just later this evening, one of the main things on the agenda is the Crystal Awards. For those who might not know, those are awards given here by the World Economic Forum every year. This is already the 
28th annual edition, um, where they give this award to four members of society related to the cultural sector for their work related to promoting um, climate change, environmental conservation, food security, mental health and even education. How optimistic are you about the function this meeting serves? Obviously, we're talking about these thousands of leaders getting together to have discussions about basically making the world a better place. Do you think it actually works? Well, it works in the sense of at least they're all together in the same room. You know, you remove a lot of the barriers that come with communication via telephone, uh, video link or just remote conversations. Having all these leaders in the same room, having the opportunity to, you know, peel away from the official forum and maybe go for dinner together or maybe have breakfast together and have these other frank conversations. It's a platform like no other and really there's no escape. As uh, we heard from Alexandra at the beginning uh, of the show, you're stuck here inside the security perimeter so you really can't uh, come up with an easy excuse you obviously are our urbanism export expert now because you produce that program the urbanist here on monocle 24 what kind of a platform is this for people who are running cities? Oh, it's a great one because as we've heard, there's so many people related to cities here. And this is not just mayors and city leaders, people that want to invest in cities, that want to make places more sustainable with climate change being at the top of the agenda. We also have that. People wanting to uh, commit to making uh, urban areas better places to live. So it is a great uh, place. And uh, I hope listeners will stay tuned to The Urbanist later this week to hear what we've learned uh, from uh, a week in Davos this year. Obviously, it is only the day one of the World Economic Forum's annual meeting here in Davos. Just quickly, what are you looking forward to most when it comes to this week? Well, I am quite uh, curious to head back to Ukraine House as well to see how this conversation about rebuilding is taking shape. Last year, it was the start of that conversation. And this year clearly is about putting the money where your mouth is. And people who have committed to... uh, help support the rebuilding of infrastructure around around the country um, who are here present. So I'm quite curious to see uh, how conversations that started last year actually have taken shape over the past few months. Well, of course, Carlotta Rebello there. Thank you very much for your insights. You are listening to The Briefing on Monocle 24. Monocle has launched its own brand new book imprint with the help of our friends esteemed publishers Thames and Hudson. First to bookshelves is the handsome Monocle Book of Japan, but with a host of new titles coming your way. And don't forget our existing library of travel guides and large format books covering everything from making better cities, creating resilient businesses and the power of hospitality done well. It's a lineup created to help you find inspiration, great ideas and some sunny escape routes, whatever is happening in the world. Visit monocle.com to find the perfect additions to your collection.
Welcome back. You are listening to The Briefing. I am Markus Hippi. The World Economic Forum has begun, which also means this is the busiest week for air movements at Zurich Airport. Starting yesterday and over the next 48 hours, Zurich is the hub for international arrivals with a flurry of business jets and state-owned planes touching down. The airport has prepared for a thousand additional flight movements over the coming days and to the delights of planes sponsors it has also extended the opening hours of observation deck B from 8am to 8pm earlier monocles Desiree Bandley went along to the deck to meet some of the plane sponsors herself I'm currently at observation desk B at the airport in Zurich the weather is still not great But there are quite a few people with their cameras looking forward to all the planes arriving for the Weffling Davos. My name is Nick. We're based near London, so I've come here for the World Economic Forum visitors. And how long are you planning to stay here? Uh, I've been here for four days. Yeah, I've been to Zurich to visit before, so I'm just here for the planes this time. What are you hoping to see? Are there any favourites that you're looking forward to? Some of the American-based Gulf streams that come over from some of the big corporations, some of the government aircraft, some of the military that come, so mainly those. What about this spot here? Could you describe a little bit where we are standing right now and why this seems to be the best spot for today? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it's quite a cold spot, but it has a good view over where the aircraft are landing at the moment, given the direction of the wind. Ideally, we'd be up on the deck around the other side, but the wind direction is wrong today. So this is the best spot to take the photos. Matthias Scheidecker. All right, so I'm standing here with Matthias. When did you get here today? I've got here at 3 p.m., So that's the uh, World Economic Forum in Davos. This means from today on the private jets from the visitors from the WEF will hopefully arrive in Zurich. So I'm hoping to get as many shots from private airplanes as I can. And do you have a schedule? Do you know when what plane is arriving or are you just looking what you can find? There is several apps you can use to uh, find out what planes are arriving or departing from each airport. But uh, private planes tend to um, be a bit more secretive about where they're going. So it's more or less uh, see and get what you can. And are you going to be here the whole day today or what's the plan? So I'm going to be a part of a tour. This tour will take place until six. So I will be here for sure until seven, I think. I am currently standing at the busiest spot today for plane spotters, I was told. It's the best one, but also the hardest to get the shot. This is because it's in a parking garage. It's parking six if anyone ever comes to the airport in Zurich. And what makes it so special is, is that you're standing on the top floor, looking outside, and because of the facade, you only have a really tiny window. So each photographer only has about two seconds to get the perfect spot. But this did not stop people from coming. We've got about... I'd say 40 to 50 people standing here, all very excited, looking for the perfect shot of private planes arriving today. I'm standing here with Alex. You just came here. How is it so far? Good. Uh, planes are just starting now to leave, so depart and uh, hope to see some good takeoffs. Yeah. And you brought your equipment? Yeah, just my, uh, my normal uh, travel lens, nothing, uh, nothing too big. Who are you hoping to see or which planes are you looking forward to seeing? Of course, I like the bigger ones, the long-haul flights, but uh, 
maybe some special ones due to the WEF, you know, but so far nothing special. Alois, Marty, I'm from Zurich. I'm a plane spotter for about uh, 20 years. Today, uh, some uh, government aircraft, German, French, are expected, Polish. We'll see what's coming. What's the next plane? What are we hoping to get? Which one is the next one that's coming? I'm going to check flight radar. It should be a private plane coming in from Malaga. And then uh, an aircraft coming in from Belgrade. A private jet from London. So quite a lot to do today. Yep. It's an extensive list today. A report there by Desiree Bandley at Zurich Airport. And that's all for this special edition of the briefing at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos. It was produced by Carlo Torabello here in Davos and our studio manager back in London was Kelly McLean. The briefing is back tomorrow at the same time and stay tuned throughout the week for more shows, reporting and interviews from this year's WEF. I am Marcus Hippi. Goodbye and thanks for listening.